Thanks for joining us on Our Father's House's weekly podcast, A Place to Find God. Each week we bring you a sermon from our Sunday services where you can be uplifted and grow in Jesus on the go. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online by going to ofhorangeburg.com. We'd love to get to know you. Now let's get to this week's message. Thank God for the, the, this, this man of God. Amen. I not only know him as my bishop, I know him as my husband. And I've seen the hand of God in his life. I know the hand of God is in his life. And I bless the Lord for him and the wisdom and the gift that God has placed on the inside of him. Amen. Amen. It's an honor for me to serve in ministry with him. It's an honor for me to serve in ministry with him. Amen. And I bless the Lord for him. Amen. 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 I really praise the Lord. I was really before the Lord. I'm asking the Lord, God, what is it that you want me to say today? I thought it was one thing. And and I, 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 it looked like he just wasn't talking. He just wasn't going to talk. It looked like he wouldn't say a word. And then finally, I'm sitting there. I told my husband, that I said, baby, you got to go. And, you know, I know the Lord talk, talk, talking to you. He, he must because he sure wasn't talking to me. So he had to be talking to him. And um, so... I, he said, no, you just settle yourself before the Lord. He'll talk. Just settle yourself. Now, here I'm sitting there settled almost most of the day yesterday. Friday, I'm just sitting there at the computer, just sitting there, Lula, just sitting, just sitting. Getting, I can't sit for so long at a time, so I sit a while, stand up a while, sit a while, stand up a while. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So finally, last night, I said, okay, Lord, you know, this one of them, so I'm under, he making me understand some things that <clears throat> he speaks when he gets ready. Amen. And that, that applies to some other things, too, that, the, that I'm, I'm involved in, too. But he speaks when he gets ready. And so I really bless the Lord for what he's doing and, and the word that he spoke. And uh, this, this, this message, it, 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 it's sticking close to me. It's sticking close. Let me see you after church, Brother Sean. It's sticking close to me. Amen. It, it's, it's there with me. Because even as I was preparing it, my eyes welling up with tears because this, this message is speaking my prayer and my heart's desire. <clears throat> so I really want you to be praying with me. Lord, we even ask you now, move by your spirit. Let the word go forth with clarity under the anointing that breaks and destroys yokes. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to be praying. And let's open our hearts this morning. So I pray that this message blesses you as it has and is blessing me. Even on the way to uh, church this morning, I'm in the car looking for tissue because it's just, I, I, I really, this message speaks to, is speaking to me. And like I said, I pray that it blesses you as much as it is blessing me. I, there are, all of my life I've heard in the Bible about the major prophets and the minor prophets. And we know um, there are four major prophets. The major prophets are like Isaiah and Jeremiah, Daniel. And then the minor, there are four of them, and then there are 12 minor prophets like um, Hosea, Ezra, Jonah. And, you know, and I used to think, I always wondered why it was that some are major, they call them major prophets, and others are called minor prophets. But then, began to look at this thing. I was, as I was preparing this message, I, I said, oh, okay, I found out. You know, you study, you, you learn stuff. You learn stuff. So I, I, I said, okay. But they weren't called major prophets because they were, um, their prophecies were more exact. They were called major prophets be simply because the books were longer. 
like the book of Ezekiel, longer than the book of, of, of Jonah, or they just, there were more chapters in their books, let me just say it that way. So they call it the major, and then there were others that are minor. But this morning, I want to talk about something that the Lord spoke to Habakkuk. We don't hear a whole lot about Habakkuk. We hear more about Ezekiel and, 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 and uh, Daniel. We hear about those, those prophets. But I want to talk this morning about Habakkuk. We know when we hear about Isaiah's prophets, prophecies, he spoke about the majesty of God and how God, um, how the nation of Israel needed to turn back to God. Even our scripture declaration for this house comes from Isaiah 54th chapter. And it declares who God is and what he'll do in and for our lives. And we, we know about Daniel, that major prophet, how he prophesied of things that are coming upon the world. That are coming upon the world. Some things we haven't understood. And, you know, but I, I tell you, if we sit before the Lord, and this is not just for me. I'm telling you, I, I, mm -mm. This, this message today for me. As, as I sit before the Lord, I'm understanding. I can understand or I will understand more and more about uh, the prophecies that Daniel spoke. And, and then we, talk, we know about Hosea, about how uh, God would, would bring judgment on sin. And Hosea is one of the minor prophets. And then we know about the major prophet Jeremiah. I'm not going to talk about all of them who prophesied about the judgment of God on his people for their wickedness. And, and it was so strong upon on Jeremiah that Jeremiah, even they called him the weeping prophet because he would cry and prophesy and he would cry about what he was prophesying about. That's how the, the, the hand of the Lord was so working in his life. But this minor prophet, <clears throat> Habakkuk, his book was only three chapters. And it's, it's, it's a book, we've, we, there are things in that book that we really love, that I really, again, I'm talking about me, that I really love. But, um, but he was a different kind of prophet. He didn't prophesy gloom and doom. His prophecy wasn't necessarily gloom and doom. But his, the first two chapters of the book of Habakkuk, they are more or less like a, a question and answer session between Habakkuk and God. Habakkuk would ask questions. God would answer. Habakkuk would ask a question, and then God would answer. Read it. And I, for, for lack of time, I don't have time to go into a whole lot because there's some places I really want to go this morning. And then, I mean, and it was just, it was really it was beautiful when you read it. It's really a beautiful conversation between a man and God. A beautiful conversation. But then after Habakkuk and God had that conversation in chapters 1 and 2, then the third book of Habakkuk is where we want to go. And the Bible says that it is a prayer of Habakkuk. The prayer of Habakkuk. See, now I want to give you a little background. Habakkuk knew of how God had worked wondrously in, in the eyes of the, of the children of Israel how he had moved on their behalf and how God had parted the Red Sea. We know all the, all the miracles and everything, how God brought the children out of Egypt, the children of Israel out of Egypt by a mighty hand, by a mighty hand. And we knew of different, you can read, if you read the history. I really do love not only natural history, but I love biblical, I really love biblical history. How that there were so many kings, some of them God would move in their lives and they, he gave them victories. I mean, miraculously gave them victories. And then he also knew how they would, the, the kings that would serve the Lord, which were few, they would really serve the Lord 
And then another one would come into, into power who caused the whole nation to sin. So he knew about that. He knew about the glorious times in Israel and how God had moved in their midst. He knew how he knew about King Solomon and how that when Solomon was king, how that he, he when he prayed, how the glory of God filled the temple. The glory, how the glory of God filled the temple. And, and it was so much so that, that the people, the priests who were there to operate in the temple that day, they couldn't even operate. They were slain under the power of God because the glory of God was so strong in the temple. So he knew about Israel's history and he knew about the split in between the kingdom of Israel in the kingdom of Israel and he knew about the kingdom of Judah he knew about the kingdom of Israel but he also knew about how far the people had drifted away from God they had done everything that God commanded them not to do and more Everything God commanded them not to do, they did it with an abundance. He knew how God had worked. But his heart was that he wanted to see God work again. He wanted to see God work again in the midst of his people. I need to hurry on here. He realized that, he, that something needed to be done. And he knew that whatever had to happen had to come from God. So here we are. This is where I want to start this morning. Habakkuk, the second chapter. I'm sorry, the third chapter. The second and the third verses. And it says this. It's the second verse only. It says this. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, Revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. Habakkuk here is praying for revival. You can't. Revive something that never was. In other words, to revive something means you're going to take it back to the state that it was before. So Habakkuk here is asking that he would, that God would revive his works. Ephesians 2 and 10 tells us for we're God's workmanship. We are the workmanship. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. So he's asking that God would revive the works that were once in the people of God. Revive them again. We are made, God has made us. And then when we were born again, we're born of him. All things the word tells us are passed and passed away. And behold, now everything has become new. Lord, will you revive thy works in the midst of the years? God bless you. 
What is revival? As I said, bless you both. I recognize you. Bless you, two of my former students. What is revival? Revival is the outpouring of the presence of God. Revival is the outpouring of the presence of God. It is God doing in the lives of many people what he's presently doing in the hearts and lives of only some yielded individuals. It means it's a mighty move of God where everyone who experiences it knows that it's really God moving. Something is going on differently then what has been going on before? Everybody knows that must be a move of God. You can't, like I said, you can't revive something that has never been in place to which to, to, has never been somewhere, so you can't take it back to where it never was. Uh -huh. All right. But reviving is stirring up something that has been before. It's causing us to remember who we are. It's causing us to want and to desire God as we never have. Things happen as a result of revival. Because it's not the world that needs reviving. The church is the one that needs the revival. There was a song they used to sing a long time ago, Oh Zion, what's the matter now? You don't pray like you used to pray. You don't fast like you used to fast. How many remember that song? Oh, Zion, what's the matter now? And as a result of whatever has happened to us, and I'm getting ahead of myself, we're in the state that we're in now. Habakkuk knew the people had sinned and had turned away from God. He knew they deserved judgment. But he asked God, when you move, move inside of your mercy. Move inside of your mercy and not just don't move in your wrath. Because if God moves in your wrath, in his wrath, oh God, help us all. We can ask Sodom and Gomorrah. We can ask those who were in, in, in Noah's time what happens when God moves in his wrath. But now God, and this is, I pray this a lot of times. I, you, know what, you know what? I especially pray this for those who've done things against me. Those people who may have done things to hurt me. And I'm not talking about something that I deserved. I'm not going to tell you something people said I didn't deserve it. Yeah, I did because I was wrong. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when people deliberately set out to hurt you or to harm you. My prayer for them has been or is, Lord, when, because there's certain things God's going to do because his word says he's going to do. But God, when you move, remember your mercy. God, when you move. When you move, God, remember your mercy. And, and that's how, that's what my heart is. So this is where, 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 where Habakkuk's heart was. God, whenever you do, don't do it in your wrath, but do it inside of your mercy. God, help me here this morning. But a lot of what was going on in Habakkuk time, Habakkuk's time sounds just like us, the body of Christ now. It sounds just, doesn't it sound like the body? There are things that we, we, Zion, something is wrong with us. 
and I'm not speaking just about our father. I'm speaking about the body of Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ worldwide. God is moving there. I'm not saying it's everybody, but God, and because there are some who God is moving through. There are people who do love the Lord, but the testimony of the world concerning the church is not a good one right now. The testimony of the world concerning us is not a good one. And say what you will, but we cannot separate ourselves. I don't care how holy we live in, how righteous we live in. We can't separate ourselves from the body of Christ. We are the body. Of Christ. I don't care if my whole body hurts except this thumb. It's still part of the body. It's still part of the body. And so what this one thumb can do to help the shoulder stop hurting, if it's all I can do to help my body move it, help over here a little while, help over here a little while, help right here a little while, it's still a part of the body. Because when you see one, you see all. The testimony is not good for the body of Christ right now. But God, will you revive us again? Oh, God, have mercy. The Bible tells us, I'm, I'm, I know I'm skipping. The Bible tells us about, in, in Samuel, 1 Samuel, the third chapter. It's the third chapter and the third verse, it says this. And, and this is one of the saddest scriptures. It says it's an heir, the lamp of God, went out in the temple of God where the ark of God was. And it says, and Samuel laid down to sleep. Samuel was still a boy. He was a boy. I was listening, my husband and I, we were listening. In fact, I've heard the message, we heard this message twice this, this week, maybe the end of last, maybe twice this week, I don't know. But he was talking about this. Let me say this first. The saddest part about this scripture is an heir, and before the lamp of God went out in the temple where the ark of God was, Samuel laid down to sleep. Heir means before. Which means the light of God, the lamp of God in the temple was small. It was small. The light of God in the temple represented the presence of God. It was small. Eli was the high priest at the time. But Eli, Eli had grown old. Eli was allowing his sons who were operating as priests in the temple to sin in the house. He, uh, he knew what they were doing. The Bible says they caused the people to sin. These two boys Hophni and Phineas, I believe it is, they caused the people, to the leaders in the house, caused Lula, the people, to sin. And Eli, the high priest, didn't do anything about it. We cannot get so caught up on what people can do in the house that we just sit back and wink at sin. God is calling for holiness in the house of the Lord. Amen. God is calling for holiness in the house of the Lord. Much more so from leadership. 
because we must lead by examples. I'm not saying we won't ever get it all right. We won't ever mess. I'm not saying that. But it should not be that we just live lifestyles of sin in the house. We got to be holy. The testimony of the world for the church is not good right now because the, the light of the Lord is almost gone out. Eli couldn't see. Eli, he, was, he gained a lot of weight. The Bible said he was big. He gained a lot of weight. So he just lay in there, not attending to what it was that he was supposed to be doing. So the boys was out there just doing whatever they wanted to do. However they wanted to sing, whatever they wanted to do, call the, you know, it's a bad testimony for the Bible to say they calls the people to sin. My Lord, help me here. But doesn't it sound like the body of Christ today? Many of us have forsaken our duties and our responsibilities and the light of God that we are supposed to be shining has either gotten dim or what? It's gone out. God help the church. Help us. So this brings me to my subject this morning. And that subject is simply this. It's personal for me. Lord, let revival start in me. Lord, let revival start in me. It's not enough, church, for us to pray for revival for the world but I need God to stir the fire up in me mm -hmm. all right. okay. hallelujah Jesus I don't want to have been in the church all my life and then I get old like Eli and lose my passion for God there is the, for years, 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 I've heard about a mighty revival coming. And the word even tells us where sin does abound, grace does that much more abound. So we've heard about, we know sin is running rampant. And we've heard that a revival is coming and we can feel it. God's got to do something. But it's not everybody and everywhere. Who desires you? Because a lot of the body of Christ like it like it is. A lot of folks like it because I can do this and I can do that. I can step in the church on Sunday and on Monday. No, excuse me. I can step in the church on Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon. And I can go back doing what I want to do. But no. The, the light is dim or going out. God is calling holy for holiness 24-7. Fellowship and relationship with God is important. It's not, help me here, Holy Ghost. I don't want to get ahead of myself. It's not a Sunday morning church thing. It's not a Sunday morning church thing. What will our family say? What is the testimony of your neighbors? What is the testimony of your coworkers? I'm getting ahead of myself, but praise the Lord. We're going to go here. What is the testimony of those around us? I don't want anybody I know to say, I don't want to serve God because 
I look at her. She says she a Christian. I don't want to be like her. God help us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Habakkuk shows us that God is the one who has to bring revival. He was talking to God. Will you revive us again? Our only help and hope is God. We can put programs in place. We can set things up. And there are some things that need to be put in place and some things that we will set up. But unless the presence of the Lord shows up, our labor is in vain. I'm, by all means, we can tighten up some things. By all means, we need to get out in the streets and do evangelism more. By all means, we need to get up and do some more things for the house of the Lord. That's not it. But if God doesn't go with us, there will be no revival. The revival has to start in us. Point to yourself. The revival has to start in me. The revival in my neighborhood starts in me. The revival in my family starts in me. It doesn't start in you, in my family. You don't even know my family. But the revival in my household, my children, starts in me. Revival in your children, Lula, starts in you. And your children start, there are people in your family, you know, Bishop, I don't even know. The revival starts in me. God help us. Charles Spurgeon, a mighty evangelist years ago, he said it this way. He said, oh God, have mercy upon thy poor church and visit her and revive her. She has but a little strength. She has desired to keep thy word. Oh, refresh her, restore to her thy power, and give her yet to be great in this land. God, visit us again. Visit us again. What happens when we get revived? Our love. our love and desire to serve God will be rekindled. Do you remember the time when we came to church and we weren't on the time clock? However God moved, he moved. And I'm not saying we got to be in church five or six, seven hours. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm not, I am talking about, we didn't have the preacher on the clock. We didn't have God. Let me not even talk about the preacher. We didn't have, we came to church looking for God. We came to church looking to change. We didn't just come to church just to say, we call it Yosha. We didn't just come to church just to say, oh, I'm going to church on Sunday. We came to church with an expectation that God was going to move and that something was going to be said that was going to change my life. I was going to leave there inspired to serve God today. I was going to leave church. Oh, God, who can I talk to tomorrow when I go to work? Can you give me something to say to somebody that will help change their lives? But now, okay. Lord, when's she going to finish? When are you going to finish? We've been here 45 minutes. You need to be, you need to be playing the closing music. Now, that's what we've come to. So that our expectations of God. It's not what it used to be. We don't even expect God to move anymore. 
So if we don't expect him to move, we're not going to pray that he does. We don't pray Zion like we used to pray because we don't expect God to move like he used to move. We have been at ease in Zion. God help me. I, Lord help me. When revival happens, we will be refocused so we can win the warfare against Satan. Because we have a real adversary out here. The devil is real. The devil is real and he's playing for keeps. And the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal. You cannot be the spirit. Or defeat a spirit, I should say, with your fists. I don't care how big you are, how tall you are, how strong you are, how much you know, how many degrees you have. You cannot defeat Satan without the Holy Ghost. Do I need to say that again? If we are, and we are in a battle. This is a warfare. We've learned this. Bishop taught us this. We're in a battle that we have nothing to do with. Start a long time. But we cannot defeat Satan without the Holy Ghost. We need power with God. We need God to work in us and do a work on the inside and change us from the inside out. It has nothing to do with your education. It has nothing God help us today. It has nothing to do with how long, how, how many degrees you have, whether you graduated from school. God uses anybody who will humble themselves before him. It has nothing to do with your name. It doesn't have anything to do with your past. It has nothing to do with what you may have done yesterday or this morning before you got here or before you, wherever it was that you surrendered your heart to the Lord. That's all God's concerned about. He wants to refocus us. He wants us to, 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 to realize and, and be able to let people feel God's love through us. People are hurting. Y'all, people are hurting. I can remember times I have hurt so bad and I just wanted somebody to say hey I love you without me telling them what's going on just somebody to I could feel the love of God or somebody to pick up the phone and call me and say how are you doing you understand what I'm saying and I, I just wanted I know how that feels I know what it feels to feel alone in a crowd but I also know what it is for God to t love me through somebody. I understand that. And people need that. There's so many people who are in despair. People we know, people we say we love, but our light is too dim for them to, to, to see that God really loves them. We're too busy doing what they're doing. We're too busy doing what they're doing. So consequently, through us, they can't see that God is really real. 
Oh, God. We, when revival comes, the flame that's on the inside of us is fan. You know how when you're starting a fan, a, 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 a barbecue grill, y'all grill folks, you start in the fan and you start fanning it. Old time way they used to fan it. Now you just turn up the gas on the grill now. But anyway, old time way they fan the flame. And the more you fan it, the bigger the flame will catch. Put something in there. You put maybe a little paper. Put some more kindling. They didn't have no kindling way back then. They put sticks and stones. and I'm Not stones, but sticks in there. And, and some bark and whatever they threw. Daddy would go get some bark off the tree and throw it in there. And boom, the fly, and he fanned the flame. But that fanning of the flame is when we, the more we yield to the Lord, the more we're praying, the more we're in the word, the more we obey, we're fanning the flame. When revival comes, the, fan is flame, the flame is fanned and our light starts shining brighter. Y'all, it's dark out there. You know, let me say this. People are tired. I get tired. I get tired sometimes of listening to the news that everything is so negative. And I've got the Lord on my side. Someday I don't listen to it. But people who don't have the Lord, who don't know him, they won't help. And we know God. And we're so caught up in our own selves. And won't yield ourselves to the Lord to allow him to use us to show people that God is real. Lord, revive me. Let it start in me. Oh, God, help me. Help me, help me. It's not enough for us just to come to church and learn about God. What are we going to do with what we know? What are we going to do with what we know? People hurt. There are people hurting. There are people hurting. What are we going to do with what we know? We have responsibility. The world is waiting for us. We have responsibility to let our light shine. What did the scripture say? The whole creation groans, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Let me say this to you too. Doesn't matter if I've been in church 40 years or longer. Doesn't matter. Somebody come in today and yield to the Lord God would use them. Lule and take them around the world. And I'm sitting right here doing nothing with all I know. God doesn't deal with people with time. He deals with people with heart. He's just looking, my soul, hallelujah, Jesus. He's looking for those who will just simply say, come into my heart, Lord. God help you. When revival happens, we will see people giving their lives to the Lord. You know, I, as I was typing this, I got up this morning, early this morning to finish. Because I'm telling you, God got jokes. He, he really does. Because he didn't start really talking to 9 o'clock last night. I mean, I'm sitting there two days trying to get this message together. And I'm saying, okay, because I know how much time, I know how much time it takes. And so I got up, this stayed up kind of to however long, and maybe about 8.30 last night, 8 o'clock, something like that. And so I got up this morning about 6 o'clock, and the more I sat and typed and, and worked, 
and rolled and looked here and, and searched and, and, and studied. And I mean, my eyes were filling with tears because this is my heart. I don't want, I don't want, bless you, I don't want to be church as usual. I want anywhere I go and everywhere I go, I want to let my light shine. I don't want to just preach message just say, oh, that was a good message. I don't want that. I want when a message is preached that change takes place. I want when I show up, it's not confusion that shows up. I don't want people to be able to say, Boy, I don't want Carlene to come. No. I want people to know that God is real. I want them to know that God is real. How will they know if we don't let our light shine? How will they know if I'm doing what they're doing? How will they know if they can't see real God in us? For those of you who are online listening, I'm talking to you too. How will they know? If the world can't see God through the church, help us here this morning. This prayer is personal. And it has to be personal for everyone. Let me tell you something. There are people who I dearly love. I don't want to see them go to hell. And if they don't give their lives to the Lord, they're not going to make it into the kingdom. It's just that simple. It's just that simple, Bishop. And if who going to tell them? Who know? How do we know that we're not assigned to our hands? But if we don't ask God, when we're around people, what am I supposed to say? What you want me to say? We have got to always be in God use me mode. But we can't be in God use me mode if I'm doing what they're doing with them. There has to be a difference in my life. Oh, God, I'm all over the place. I once heard a preacher. I once heard... I was reading something. I read, I heard, listened to this online, and I, 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 I'm not sure. They said who the preacher was, and I couldn't find it again. But they said this. They said this preacher went to this. It was some kind of service or something, and and they asked him the the preacher. Somebody else was supposed to be there to speak, but the other speaker didn't get there. They didn't. He didn't. They didn't show up for whatever the reasons. I don't know. But then someone recognized him and realized that he was a preacher. And so he was the kind of preacher who typed out his messages. Well, I'm not probably didn't type it out back then because this is some time ago. He wrote out his messages and he just happened to have one in his pocket. See, so they said what he did. They said he took, the, he said, okay, but he was just, you know, he didn't, he didn't, whatever, you know, he was just there. So he took out his one message. But he had relationship with God. He had been praying. He knew God. And the word that he had was from God. So he took out his little message. And the Bible, and the, the Bible, the person who was saying this, they say he took out the message. He kept his eyes on the piece of paper. And he just read the message. And then when he finished, he said, when he sat down. He said, but they, they were saying that conviction. 
fell in the house. He said, men went home, got it together with their wives. He said, he, oh, God, I bless you. I bless you, Father. You all, I feel the presence of the Lord. He said, men went home and got it together with their wives. He said, they lived in a town where it was so crime-ridden. He said, but so many people, let's say Bishop and I, we had, we, he came home and he got it, we got it together. Our marriage was together and we started living for the Lord and we told our neighbor about the Lord and they started living for the Lord and she told her sister and her sister and he told his brother and he told his, and revival broke out in that, that city. The whole town which was so crime-ridden, stopped being crime-ridden. Why? Because one man, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, took a, a message out of his pocket and got up and read it. Revival comes according to Zechariah, the fourth chapter and the sixth verse. He said this, then, said, uh, then he answered and spake unto me. He said, God spoke unto him. Oh, it's a good story about behind Zachariah. That would take, we'd be here 12 o'clock, maybe 1230 if I want to tell that story right there. That's a good story. He's going to read that. Zechariah, the fourth chapter. He said this, he said, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not this thing that God is going to do is not the work of a man nor a woman. It's not the work of a team. It's the work of the Holy Ghost. God gave them a mighty deliverance. I don't have time this morning to go to this whole story. God gave them a mighty deliverance. Has, yes, gave them a mighty deliverance. The odds were completely against them. But when God moves, things happen. Things happen when God moves. It's a good day to have been in church. A revival can't be staged. It's not just like when we have a revival here at the church. The heart behind a revival, and I'm, I'm not talking about a local gathering. I'm talking about a movement in the hearts of God's people. I'm talking about, it may start from a local gathering, like the man did who, who spoke, the, the, um, read his message there at the church at the service. It may start from a gathering. It may start when you just go home and say, God, that thing she was talking about, I know that's the truth. I want you to do that in me. And your friends will see, wow, what happened to him? God, if you can do that in him, you can do that in me. When, you, when your family who know your background or whatever your background, maybe I don't know it, but whatever they may think, something happened to him. 
And God, if you can do that in him, I'm talking about the good church people. If you can do that in him, God, can you do that in me? That's revival. That's what I'm talking about, revival. And see, a lot of us, we're in church, but our light's dim. But the Lord is going to send in people like you. And I want you to hear what I'm saying. And God's going to do things that you've been, you, some folks, let me just say it this way. Some folks don't even know how to ask God for what they really want, but they know they want something. They want something. And those are the people. Oh, God, help us this morning. God is going to move, church. Bishop said something years ago. He said, God's going to move. Year, 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 I'm talking 30 years ago, maybe now. I never forgot this. He said, God is going to move. But the question is, whether we're going to be a part of it. I don't want God to leave me out. I don't want God to leave me out. I want God to live in my life. There's no way that revival is going to come except by the Spirit. Except by the Spirit. It's He, God, that's going to work in us both the will and the do. He's going to work in us. He will work in us. The will, in other words, God, I want this. And then how to do it. Don't worry about how to. All we have to do is keep our ear to His heart and to His mouth. And listen to what it is that he has to say. If we listen to what it is that God has to say, then what will happen is at, not only do we listen, but there's a thing called simple obedience. Obey what it is that he's saying. Let's obey him. And, and the Bible speaks of this, to obey him. I think that was Paul who said, obey him from the heart. See, I can do what you say. I can do what you tell me to do. But in my heart, I'm saying, how many of us have ever done that to our mama? We didn't say it out loud because, you know, mama would test like the face around to the back. But now, but in my heart, as soon as we get around the corner out of earshot, you understand? But no, what God is asking us to do is obey him, what? From the heart. And I promise us, I promise you, if we obey God from the heart in this season right here, our lives going to change. I can't promise you you'll get rich. I ain't promising you that because I ain't got no money to give you. I cannot promise you that we're going to have the big house on the hill. Can't promise you that. But I can promise you that we will experience a peace that we've never had before. Mm 
You know that peace you've been looking for? That thing on the inside, because you know something is missing, and you tried this, and that that, that was temporary, and mm -mm, got to go back and get some more, because why? Because it was only temporary. But I can promise you, he'll give you a peace that you've never experienced before in your life. I can promise you that you'll experience a love like no other. That's all of us. I'm not talking about you come, just come to church, but I promise you that God will do a work on the inside of our lives. I promise you that. I promise you that old things will pass away. In him, all things will become new. Desires will change. I promise you that we'll, we'll, our eyes will, the eyes of our understanding will come up open and we'll understand God more than we used to. He'll become real to us. He'll make himself real. I promise you that. In Ephesians, Ephesians, the third chapter, and I just want to read this. I want to read it. I, I was going to read it in the King James Version, but I want to read it in the Amplified Version. This is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. He said this in Ephesians, the third chapter, the 14th through the 19th verses. And this is my prayer, not only for my life, but for your lives, but for your lives. This is the prayer that Paul was praying for the church at Ephesus. He said this, for this reason, reason, grasping the greatness of this plan by which Jews and Gentiles are joined together in Christ. He said, I bow my knees in reverence before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name, God the first and ultimate father. May he grant you out of the riches of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self, indwelling your innermost being and personality. In other words, that his spirit would dwell in us. And I mean just engross us, take over on the inside. He said, may ye be, that he, verse 16, may he grant you out of the riches of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner man, indwelling your innermost being and personality, soul, this is why. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And may, and may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, with all God's people, the width, the length, and height and depth of his love. Fully experiencing that amazing, endless love 
And that you may come to know practically. In other words, it becomes real to you. That it becomes real to you. That God becomes real to you. That we may know practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that we may filled up throughout our being to all the fullness of God, that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself, my God. That's my prayer for you. And you pray that for me. That we all may be completely filled and flooded with God himself. That's what he has for us. That's what he has for us. Lord, I want Christ to dwell in my heart. So that I'm rooted and grounded in you. I'm rooted and grounded in your love. Let me comprehend with all the saints, the breath, which means the extensiveness, the extensiveness, the length of the distance that your love will go for me, the breadth of that extensiveness of the love of God, the depth, the intricacy of his love and how his love just works in our lives. And I can see when I should have been dead, I should have been, I, me, Carlene, should have been dead. But his love kept me. His love kept me. When I could have lost my mind, his love held me close. When I didn't see how I could make it, his love held me close. That we would experience the height or the loftiness and know the love of Christ, which is so far past our understanding that we can be filled with the fullness of God. My prayer, Lord, let revival start in me. Let's stand on our feet. Let revival start in me. This is a personal thing. This is a personal thing. It has nothing to do with Carlene Riley. It has nothing to do with Ed Riley. It has nothing to do with our father's house, this church. It simply has to do with you and God. Oh, God. Let revival start in me. Let it start in me. Some of us don't know how to pray. That's okay. He hears heart. If all we say is, Lord, help me. Help me. Forgive me. Wash me. Change me. Lord, I want to know that you're real. Oh, yeah, the little shot. 
those of you online who listen to this, whether it's this morning live or any other time, begin there just where you are. Lord, help me. Change me. Change me, Lord. Change me. You said if I called on you, you would answer prayer. That's why I'm calling you, Jesus. She said, if I call you, you wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter to you what I've done in the past. But you take me just like I am. So here I am, Lord. I want to change. It's not by might, Lord, no by power. But it's by your spirit. Lord, help us to walk in what we know, what you've taught us. Help us to fall in love with you again. Stir us up in the inside. Teach us your ways. Let our hearts be towards you, O oh God. That we be able to comprehend the length, breadth, height, depth of your love. And that we will be filled with the fullness of who you are, Father. We bless you this morning. We honor you. It doesn't take me having to lay hands on you in order for you to accept him as your savior. All he's doing is looking for an open heart. It doesn't take us having. Doesn't necessarily take us having, always having to come to an altar. But what it does take is you opening up your heart and saying, yes, Lord, change me. I want to know you more than what I have known you. I want to know you. I want to know you. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, right where we are. Let's all give him another yes. Yes in my heart. Those of you who are online, yes, Lord. We're surrendering our hearts to you. We're yielding our lives to you afresh. Let the revival start in me. If we don't, if you don't know him, ask him. Come into my life. Change me. In the name of Jesus. Oh, we bless you, we bless you, we bless you. You, Lord, you're worthy. And no one can worship you for me the things you've done for me, God. Hallelujah. Here's my worship. Receive my worship. Here is my worship, Lord. You take my worship. We bless you this morning. God, we don't want to be the same. We don't want to be the same. I don't want to leave this service the same as I was. I don't want to leave church this morning as I've always left. I want to be stirred in my heart and to serve you. Let the revival start in me. Some of us need to simply lay aside some weights and some sins that so easily beset us. And let's get up and start running this race that's set before us. Let's look to Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith. Hallelujah, Jesus. We bless you. We honor you, O oh God, 
In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Thank God. And don't let this be a service where I just feel God and I feel better. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. This is one of those times he's come to change you. He's come to change you. Amen. We bless the Lord. We know that you were blessed by today's message. We have to not only be listeners of the word of God, but also doers. To find out what your next steps may be, simply go to ofhorangeburg.com forward slash next. Come again next week where we will make sure you have a place to find God.